Welcome to Can You Hold My Attention? I'm your host, Eric Bruton. Thank you for tuning into my podcast today. On this show, I invite some of the most important and exciting leaders in wealth management and fintech to discuss and debate the latest trends and hottest topics facing financial advisors today. So why should you listen to this show? Well, my goal is for you to learn one or two ideas that will help you run a better business and or become a stronger leader. These shows have been a blast to do, mostly because of the great guests and the interesting conversations we've had. You can follow Can You Hold My Attention on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher. I'm pleased to announce that I'll be participating in the upcoming Investment News RIA Summit in Boston on November 7th and 8th. As you'll likely have already heard, this will be one of the preeminent events of the year for RIAs and advisors looking to go RIA. This two-day event will be co-chaired by Jeff Benjamin, Senior Columnist of Investment News, and Chuck Fela, Founder and CEO of Sovereign Financial Group. So if you're an RIA or an advisor looking to go RIA, I'd encourage you to join us in Boston on November 7th and 8th. To register, simply go to the website bit.ly backslash RIA Summit 22 or go to investmentnews.com and click the event tab. It's not too late. There's also a link you can click on in this podcast post. Wow, it's so great to be back. It's my first show in a long time, and I'm so happy to have these two great gentlemen on the podcast with me today. You know, not many registered investment advisory firms in the U.S. can boast of these stats. 700 advisors and $30 billion in assets under management. And they've got a big plaque on their wall of fame that bears the recognition of being one of Barron's top RIAs in the country. In fact, I think they're number six. I'm, of course, speaking about Private Advisor Group. And my two guests today, John Hyland, Managing Director and Co-Founder of the Morristown, New Jersey-based firm, and Frank Smith, the newly appointed President of Private Advisor Group. I've had the pleasure of knowing these two guys a long time, and I've had a front row seat in witnessing the meteoric growth of the firm over the last few decades. I often described Private Advisor Group as the LPL Super OSJ that took a hard right turn somewhere along the way. It became a full-service, full-fledged RIA. But more than that, you know, Private Advisor Group has become an extremely successful business by many measures. Founded by John and his partner, Pat Sullivan, both successful advisors in their own rights, who over the years not only recognized the potential to serve other advisors and their clients with everything they've learned, but also recognized the benefits of adding significant leadership and staffing talent to help them become a successful and highly valued business. So happy to have them. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Doing well, Dan. Yeah, doing great. Well, it's good to have you on the podcast. It's been a while since I've seen you guys. It's actually been a while since I did a podcast. Uh, you guys are like the first track on my Back in Black album here. So <laughs> I'm excited to uh, 
to have you guys on the show and to be back at uh, speaking to to my audience again. So, uh, and, you know, what greater two gentlemen to have on my show than you two guys? Uh, I've known you both a long time uh, since LPL days, maybe even before that. And you guys have done quite a bit over the last year, couple years. Uh, just a, some brief history. Your firm, I know, was founded in 97, John, by you and Pat Sullivan. I think okay. you guys are at 700 advisors now and 30 billion in assets, which is remarkable by any measure. And uh, last year, you ranked sixth on the list of Barron's top RIA firms in the U.S. So that's some pretty amazing accomplishments over time here. And uh, you guys should be congratulated. Well, thank you. We're very proud of what, what's happened in the last uh, 15 years or so. And um, dealing with our advisors, it's just, it's just a, it's a joy every day. 700 of them too. Is that, is that right? Are you guys at 700 advisors? I think as of Monday, it was 755, I think, as of Monday. That's right. And it's Friday, so it's probably up to 800. So, uh, <laughs> we like to round up, Eric. So, yeah, let's call it that. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. Well, you guys, I want to start off the, start off our conversation this morning uh, by, you know, there's a lot of stuff that folks know about Private Advisor Group and what you all have accomplished. They've heard your story. It's uh, it's been a lot in the media, and 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 rightly so. You you like I said, you've all accomplished a lot. But let's start by both of you giving me a little juicy nugget of information about Private Advisor Group that our listeners probably have never heard of. So I'll start with you, Frank. Yeah, sure. So uh, the the juicy nugget on Private Advisor Group uh, first. So. Um, you know, having been founded in Morristown, New Jersey, and a lot of advisors that were part of that 750 advisor growth are uh, were historically Northeast, um, but we are a national firm. We do have a national footprint, and that's some something that a lot of people don't know, which is interesting. Um, but little, uh, <clears throat> I guess, a, a nugget on me. Um, I am newer to private advisor group. I, I'm not new to private advisor group in my relationship. You mentioned our, our past at LPL. We, we come from that alumni association, uh, but newish on the leadership team, having been here now for a couple of years um, as part of the, uh, the leadership team. But on a personal level, um, I am a, I think people find this unique for some reason. I grew up around it, so I didn't think it was all that unique, but I am a private pilot. Um, I do like to wrench on cars and boats and motorcycles and generally like to, to do things with my hands, which is very therapeutic after having to use my brain all day long. So you're a gearhead is what you Yeah, saying. you could call me that. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed, Frank, because why aren't you working more? <laughs> all these other things. Maybe. I don't have time for a lot of those. Maybe other you need things. to take a trip to Frank's garage there, John, see what's going on. <laughs> That's pot calling kettle, John. <laughs> well, sorry. <laughs> All right. So you're a pilot. Are you flying to most private advisor group events or are you, uh, are you driving, Frank? Uh, I, am, I am not personally flying to private advisor group events. Okay. All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll get on that two-seater with you one day. There you go. John, John, what do we not know about Private Advisor Group or, or perhaps John Hyland that would be uh, new to our audience? 
Yeah, two things. I'd say a little bit about Private Advisor Group. Um, a lot of people were involved helping us to the success level. And obviously, LPL was a big part of that. And Dirk, you were part of part of that period as well. So um, we didn't do it ourselves. I mean, we worked hard and we did the right things all the time. So I just want to make that clear that, you know, we had partners in this and it certainly has worked out well for all of us. Um, on the personal side, I think um, some may know this, but not everybody, that I've had five um, battles of cancer in the last 12 years, which makes um, my personal life a little more challenging and my business life a little more challenging. So, and um, what I can tell you about my situation and PAG at the same time, I was surrounded by amazing people that literally when I got trouble and I had to go out for a while, they doubled up, they worked harder and no one ever complained. It was you know, that's one of those things in life I think is really important. Surround yourself with great people and things happen. Yeah. And I've, I've seen that, John, your, your story is unbelievably inspiring. I'm, I want to come back to that in a bit. Uh, but I've seen the team that you've had over there and, and still have and, and adding to actually I want to discuss that as well. <clears throat> and, you know, what's been amazing about private advisor group over the years is what, you've done to really help your advisors, truly assist your advisors in growing their business. And I was thinking about that this morning. It actually starts during the transition. One of the things I know you guys pride yourself on is transitioning advisors from their prior firms more smoothly than they would normally go through, which is a, a period of an anxiety with any advisor, as you know, when they're moving businesses. But that growth strategy starts at the transition. We we used to coin a term, I know you, you all know it, called ramp. The time between somebody decides to leave a firm to the time when they're actually starting their growth again at the new firm and shortening the ramp is what Private Advisor Group is very adept at. And uh, so, you know, let's talk a little bit about that and about uh, what you've done from an organic growth standpoint and Frank, maybe maybe start out and tell us, you know, what does really private advisor groups specialize in terms of or, or that organic growth? What are the what is the foundation of what you're doing that has gotten such great response from your advisors? Yeah, I, you know, it's um, it, it's interesting, uh, Derek, because advisors, uh, you know, they look at a transition as an example. If we're, we're talking about them coming over and ramping. Um, as, as something that they believe will impact their ability to grow for a long period of time, which can sometimes cause an advisor to not make a decision that's right for their business. And, and that's uh, one of the hurdles you have to uh, jump through in, in any sort of um, you know, business development type conversation. But what we've been able to demonstrate, we're not alone in this, but what we've been able to demonstrate is a mix of their entrepreneurial spirit and, and desire to uh, do the right th thing for those client relationships and our ability to create a, um, an efficient path for them to, um, to get to uh, what, what we believe is a, uh, a great model that supports their independence. We're able to do that in a very short period of time. And, and it's a combination of people, it's a combination of, a combination of process and, and talent. And we've invested very heavily in a lot of the infrastructures and infrastructure elements of our business in the last couple of years, especially to make sure that advisor needs are taken care of um, as they're exploring 
the option of moving to private advisor group as they make the move to private advisor group. And then a lot of the investment is how do we help them without their organic growth on a go forward basis by removing a lot of the, uh, the distractions of running an operation or the uh, burdens of having to deal with things on the regulatory front or curating technology. And it, it, sounds, it, it sounds simple, it's not. It's, it's a, a major investment area for us and one that we've built a lot of scale and resource around but it is to the benefit of removing distractions, removing burdens from advisors so they can focus on the, the relationship with the client. Yeah, that's so important these days is removing that complexity from their lives. And, and there's just more and more complexity these days, right? I mean, it's great that there's so many technology options out there, but that's also causes advisors to, to get that deer in the headlights look and a reach out to somebody like yourself and your, your team at private advisor group to figure out how, how you can help them get through that, make the decisions and let, not let them burden that day. You talked about talent. You talked about the team. You've brought on some really high powered experience, maybe reasonably compensated. I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> talent over the last couple of years with RJ Moore, Frank, certainly yourself or marble, You've got a real great gentleman named Jim Hooks in compliance. You've really upped the ante in this area, and that's what a lot of firms are looking to do out there. You guys have executed on that. Tell us what that's really meant to, not just to your advisors, but what it's meant to the culture at Private Advisor Group. We were fortunate over the last 18 months or so to bring over 25 very talented people uh, to add to our staff at Private Advisor Group. And it, it was intentional to do that, to match talent to areas of our strategy. So, you know, that's people, that's process, that's technology, but we certainly start with people um, to be able to pull through and execute on that and create the right advisor experience. The other part of that is, is we want to make sure that we're creating a durable generational firm, right? So John and Pat started private advisor group 25 years ago, and we want to make sure that we're investing in the uh, in the firm where we can create a firm that'll be around for another 25 years. So one of the areas that we invested pretty heavily in uh, was uh, people focused on engaging advisors in growth conversations. So how do advisors run a connected business? How do they do so in a way that manages risk? You know, a lot of the same conversations we're having around sustainability and growth. Um, But an an interesting one that has snuck up recently is this whole concept of information risk, and and especially in the cybersecurity area. Right. Um, So we've invested heavily, too, in infrastructure and people to help us think through information security and some of the new threats that are coming into our business. And I I think the the infrastructure and risk investment we make in people, you you mentioned Jim Hooks and others, and, and this is an area that I think it's taken for granted because uh, it's not as flashy or it's not a, a really cool tool that advisors can use. But it is one that requires a lot of resources, a lot of scale, um, and a lot of experience. And then, you know, the other area, obviously, is we want to continue to be relevant. We want to continue to solve for advisors' needs and do so in a, in a way that pr- provides a great experience for them. Um, so we are bringing on new capabilities. We, um, we just announced our uh, launch for our investment management platform we call WellSuite. Um, and also you've you've had this out for a little while now and having conversations with 
advisors with great success around our alignment and equity participation program, which has then turned into other liquidity programs and helping advisors solve for uh, successions, solve for um, you know, capital expenditures. And it's uh, we've been able to do that over the last couple of years and, and roll that out. But uh, and it's been a lot, but our, our goal always will be making sure we do it well. And uh, even if that means slowing some of this down over the next couple of years. Yeah, that's important. I mean, you can add a lot of features, but if they're not working well and advisors aren't executing and, you know, and, and taking you up on these services, then that's a lot of time spent on uh, for not, right? So John, the, Frank had said, you know, that you'd be better off talking about this influx of talent and what it's meant to culture, uh, both, you know, past culture and, and now with the a new all-star team, a lot of a lot of people that were studs at their previous firms and are now coming together and gelling. How's that going? Well, we're fortunate that we're in a position now where I think a lot of um, individuals are looking at us as like as a great opportunity to work there. So we've actually been in a situation in the last year, year and a half, uh, that a lot of people, a lot of talents coming to us and asking if there's a spot on the, on the table. So right. um, that's a good thing. And you've seen that over the years, certain firms get hot in certain times and uh, that, that helps definitely. Um, as, as the, the culture, as it stands today, and it always has been, we talk about short on drama and long on humor. And we, we, we do that every day. You know, what we do is important, of course, but we try to do it in a really fun way for everybody. And the items you talked about before, Derek, about the friction in moving from one form to another, uh, you know, all that stuff we think about every day. We try to keep it easy for the advisor. And um, when we get it done easy for the advisors, that's good for us because then they turn to their friends and say, you know what, we're not happy where we're here, but GPAG really was an easy experience to join. And um, they've done everything they said they've done it, they would do. Yeah, I, I've heard that from several advisors over the years that uh, you guys execute. And, you, and like you said, John, you have fun. I mean, when I think of private advisor groups, sometimes I just think of James Sullivan and that smile that he's got <laughs> that lights up a room. And uh, for those that don't know, James is Pat's brother and uh, has been with the firm how long now? A decade or more, right? At least. Yeah, it's been a yeah. long time. Yeah. And so um, there's, you know, the, the team coming together over there, even with the new interests, is very interesting. But, you know, Frank, I wanted to ask you this because we going back to organic growth for a second, all this talent and everything that you're bringing to advisors doesn't really matter if they don't want to partake in what you're doing and accept your advice. And, and so how do you test the readiness of advisors and their willingness to want to accept your assistance and grow the business. Yeah, I think we just we have to acknowledge, Derek, that every practice is unique and growth means dif different things to different people. And that that was a, a very quick learning for us. And, and I think it's natural for us when we start investing in talent and investing in mechanisms to support growth. You look across 750 advisors and you think, well, of course, everyone wants to work with us and listen to us and, uh, you know, adopt the tool or adopt the process, whatever that is. But, you know, some advisors are just predisposed to that and some advisors aren't. And that's OK. And so uh, as champions of independence and defenders of independence, we have to recognize that every practice is unique. So 
we went through um, after some initial <clears throat> conversations with our uh, alignment and engagement team, uh, we went through a segmentation exercise to really understand where advisors sit on that, that desire or willingness to engage. And, you know, you have growers, right? They, they are willing to engage, willing to quickly, uh, you know, look at, look at or research tools or have that conversation. And just like us, where we're focused on execution, you can tell that they're focused on execution too. Now we'll, we'll talk how we have to be careful with that. So we don't actually bring noise into their day. We're actually helping them. Um, but, but they're predisposed to that and they're willing to jump in and partner with us and our partners to, to grow. Then you have the enterprise builders and they're really like a, a smaller version of private advisor group that leverages us for things like, um, you know, back office and compliance and a lot of the, the complex regulatory stuff that we, we do as an RAA. They don't need as much of that coaching and consulting from us because they've, they've got a lot of that built in house. So we're there for them. We help them. We've great, got a great model for them, um, but they've also got that figured out in a lot of cases, and we're here just in a, a supporting capacity. And then you have that third segment that is more of, we'll call it the sustainer life lifestyle advisors. And, uh, you know, th this is a really fun group to hang out with um, because they've they've got it figured out, right? This is, this is their practice. This is their lifestyle. Um, they're happy with uh, with what they've done and what they've built, and they don't necessarily want to add more complexity or more time or more resources. They've they've uh, run a very clean and efficient practice and and happy with where they're at. So we got to be careful with that group that we're not being overly prescriptive or you know telling them they should do something different. Remember, they're independent advisors, and we're here to support independent advisors. So. Um, that that helped us really narrow down out of the 750 and, and growing who we can really focus on to, to truly put us in a position where we can help them grow and, and help them measure the outcomes of that. Yeah. I mean, to summarize, Frank, what I just heard is that you, you guys listen. You That's listen right. to your advisors and understand where they are in the stage of their careers and their lives and uh, what they really want to do. And even within a, within a group, as you know, you've got your later stage advisors that are looking to retire and play more golf. And then you have the next gen who's wants to grow their business within that, within that advisory group. And, and those are two different conversations that, that you've got to have. Generally, what do you, what do you find advisors are spending too much time on right now that is maybe counterproductive to their businesses? Yeah. It, I think, um, uh, well, what I love about independent advisors, we'll start there, is their, their entrepreneurial spirit. And they are, you know, by nature, um, go-getters and uh, very hard workers. And they've, they've built these practices of all shapes and sizes that are special to them and special to the, the communities that they operate in. We, we love that. The challenge that that some that entrepreneurial spirit can create sometimes and we see this time and time again is it can it, chasing that next thing can also become a bottleneck to productivity and growth and it doesn't happen every time i think that's just this the watch out when you think about things that could be counterproductive so as we observe this and i'll, I'll caveat a couple of statements here by saying there's some advisors that obviously do all this very very well they're superhuman category um, you know, and, and none of these things are bad, but they can be counterproductive. So for example, on the running the business side, 
um, advisors want to be CEO, CFO, you know, look, look across the C-suite of any practice or organization and they want to be all of those things or they think they have to be all of those things. Um, you know, there's, there's study after study and example after example of, of entrepreneurs who recognize that, you know what, I'm not a good CEO, I'm a good, you know, innovator or right. um, I'm not a good CFO as an example. I'm, I'm really good at uh, driving client relationships. And I think so, you know, advisors just being honest in what areas of the business that they should invest in uh, to help them operate. I'm not saying everyone needs all of those roles in their practice. It's unique to each scenario. The other one, Derek, is, you know, whether the advisor uh, sees value or believes that the investor sees value in them operating as portfolio manager versus relationship manager. And, and this one, again, is full of studies and full of observations, and some do it very well, and, and some should consider uh, moving more towards the centrally managed side of the business, whether it's for a unique client segment um, or, uh, you know, it's for, you know, some other solution that they're uh, they're looking to provide, whether it's growth or uh, managing risk on the regulatory side, whatever that is. I would, I would say in that one too, it's also a continuity issue, right? If something happens to the advisor or, or eventually the advisor uh, goes through a succession and, and moves that business to another, spending your career building unique portfolios to you could put you in a position where uh, that can be counterproductive to either valuations or, right. or how you succeed that business. Um, and then I, I think a, um, uh, another, I'll use a final example here is one we see a lot, and that's that's holding on to every client relationship. Right. And it, there's, there's a lot of examples of advisors who have gotten to a point where they say, okay, I'm going to bring on a junior and give them a certain segment of my book. They're hesitant to do that because they, they look at the expense in that. But they find that it really frees their time up, and, and we use the term here, highest and best use of their time, where collectively the practice does grow. And you have alternate, you know, ancillary benefits like bringing in the next generation. You've got a backstop for succession. Uh, you know, you've you've added team members to your practice that might have dissimilar skill sets that that more rounds out your approach to client relationships. So. Um, th those those are a few. There's several, uh, but I think those are a few that we tend to see more often than not. Right. Well, some of this, Frank, comes down to, you know, their advisors, oftentimes you hear this, you know, this, this comparison, managing a book of business versus mm -hmm. managing a business and two different skill sets, I would say. And, you know, John, I want to ask you this question because I feel like you've made a transition from, you started as an American Express advisor many years ago, you managed a book of business you were able to transition that business to that book of business to other advisors on your team and then focus more on managing a business. And, you know, you hear this phrase a lot out in our industry, firms that are built by advisors for advisors, and they tout that as a distinguishing characteristic of their business model. You founded PAG, you, you and Pat both founded private advisor group. How has your experience as an advisor and the insight you gain as, as an advisor help you become a successful business leader and steward to your advisors? Yeah, I would think that if Pat and I were both advisors and still are in some version, um, helped us grow well because we knew the, uh, the pressure points and what had 
uh, friction with the advisors. And so while we were going through that ourselves, we wanted to make those solutions change for us and for the advisors that we support. Um, and I do think that Pat and I had a moment in our career where we stopped working in our business and started to working on it, which really is a, it's a, it's a little nuance, but it, it definitely makes a big difference. And I think that was a big part for us. Definitely. John, do you, when you're going through that, do you, do you find just activities during the day where you're, you're sort of segmenting those two things and saying, you know, I got to stop doing this and I got to start working on doing a task or, or working on strategy that is definitely working on the business. Did, did you find yourself kind of catching yourself and saying, Hey, I got to stop that. And I need to start this. Yeah. I think in the beginning I did kind of go back and forth, but now I'm all about on the business, not in it. Yeah. No, that's, that's super important. So earlier we talked about you bringing on talent and bringing on another, a number of new features to your business that you know often came with that talent uh, to enrich an advisor's experience through private advisor group. But you've also brought on a very important partner and, and capital partner in merchant investments. And uh, they recently made an investment in, in private advisor group. What has been the short-term impact of, uh, to, to your business with Merchant and, and where do you anticipate you'll capture the full benefit of this new partnership, say over the next three years? And Frank, I'll ask you that first. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So it, it's, um, you know, Merchant was uh, an interesting opportunity for us. We weren't necessarily looking at the time for a, uh, a capital partner, um, you know, cause we had just gone through uh, a, a year, about a year of, bringing on new talent, uh, reshaping our strategy, making sure we're very clear on our guiding principles as a firm. Nothing, nothing fundamentally changing, but more uh, just codifying uh, how we've approached things for 25 years in our culture and how we wanna think about the future. Um, but what was interesting is when we were approached by Merchant, um, you, know, you look at your desire at this period of time in our business to to capitalize on growth or to introduce these advisor services that are focused on experience. And, you know, you need, we're a well-capitalized firm, but the injection of capital, I'll, I'll use that term, the ability to have access to capital uh, through a capital partner was something that helped us think through how could we then accelerate that? And not in an irresponsible way, very much in a thoughtful way, but, you know, one where we can, uh, we can exchange some of the value of the firm for the ability to, um, inject capital and accelerate some of the areas of our strategy. And so that was that was an interesting thing for us. But what was unique about Merchant is it's not private equity. And I think there's a misconception uh, out there of private advisor group taking private equity money. Um, and it wasn't a controlling interest. And uh, that was really important to us to have access to uh, capital through that minority non-controlling uh, stake that they took in private advisor group. Um, but us not be bound by any timeframes uh, for, for the return on that, um, us still having complete control of how we make decisions in the business and operate the business. Um, so that, that's where uh, I think that relationship was um, very, very interesting to us. We believe very unique and uh, put us in a position where we could um, start making some investments in the business at an accelerated pace. Um, the other part of that is, 
the if you look at the resume of many of the principals over at um, Merchant, I know Derek, you you know that group well. Um, they all they all come from areas of our profession uh, and have built firms and sold firms and have built solutions that have gone really well and built solutions that if they could go back in time, they would change. And, and while they're not uh, controlling how we do things at Private Advisor Group, they can certainly be coach, mentor, and guide as we think through the use of capital and as we think through how we want to accelerate certain areas in response to what we believe the profession needs or what our advisor council, as an example, or advisors are telling us that they need. And, and so that's that's been really helpful to have them as um, as, as partners and how we think through uh, the business to uh, the, since they have a much broader view than than we do. I'd say the, the other part of this, uh, Derek, that was um, an, an immediate benefit, but uh, also one that that we anticipate will continue to extend as, as we grow and uh, continue to invite more advisors to private advisor group is just the support in uh, you know how we can quickly respond to and confidently respond to some of you know what I'll call the M and A opportunities that exist in the marketplace right now. So you know with with firms recognizing that uh, you know maybe they don't have the scale or not don't have the ability to invest in the future or maybe don't have the team in place to be able to fully execute on that based on what we believe the uh, the profession needs. Um, we're getting quite a few phone calls from firms that said, okay, well, what if we join private advisor group, our firm joined private advisor group and collectively we were able to go make a bigger impact in the profession. Those are really exciting conversations for us to have. That takes capital, that takes some, you know, financial engineering, that that takes a lot of the uh, the the uh, you know, refer to it as coaching, mentorship, and guidance that merchant brings to the table through their capital programs or their credit programs as well. Right. So that's that's been immediately helpful, and they're you know um, good people to work with, and uh, you know certainly good for our business. Yeah, it's it's interesting. As good as a team as you've assembled at Private Advisor Group you know, you you still are humble enough to realize there's some real talent out there and partners that we can bring in that can elevate us even further and bring something to the table that perhaps we don't have. And right. you, you know, you mentioned that I know merchant Tim Bella was on my podcast a few months ago and, and talked about how, what they bring to their, their partners. And, uh, I think you've just hit on a number of those topics. John, would you add anything that you've seen in terms of the influence of merchant on private advisor group? Certainly. Um, I'll echo a lot of what Frank said, and um, the merchant team has been um, fantastic. We've done some, some positive things in the last year. Uh, we have a lot more to go with with them. Um, great team. Um, Tim Bello. Uh, my issue with Tim, of course, is that, and as you can see on the Zoom here, not everybody on the podcast will, that I'm bald and Frank is bald. <laughs> Bello has hair over his head, all over his head, in his face, everywhere. So, that's my big issue with Bello, but back to the uh, long on Homer. That, he's also younger though, John. So come on, it's you know he's got time to lose that 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 beard and that that hair. So, <laughs> well, I hope so, Derek. <laughs> well, so let's let I want to change the topic a little bit, John, and mention something you talked about earlier. You know, you've you've inspired advisors and non-advisors alike in, in, in another way over the last 
decade or so, and that's how you've overcome cancer several times, and you took the issue straight on and prevailed time and time again. You're healthy again, uh, thankfully, and that's so awesome to see, and you're back competing in Ironmans. I know you're inspiring a lot of people within private advisor group, your advisors. Heck, I'm even playing singles tennis now, John. I've switched off doubles, so I'm I'm inspired as well. So you know, you talk about what it means to persevere and and how that's enriched your life. Maybe you can just you know talk a little bit more about um, how you know what, what you're seeing now that you didn't see a decade or so ago. I'd be happy to share that. I do want to say one thing, Derek. You might I'm sure you don't remember this, but back in 2010, when I was first diagnosed with leukemia. I was in the hospital, not good. And you sent a couple of texts to me that were very, very inspiration for me. And I still remember it. And actually this morning driving to the house here that I'm at, uh, I tried to find that text back from 2010 and I couldn't get it, but thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. And that's really the point right there. It's, it's people coming around you and, and supporting you. It's, 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 it's humbling when people come to you and say, hey, I know you're having a hard time. I want to help. What can I do? Um, it's really important. But to your other question, Derek, was, you know, things like this do change you. It does in a lot of different ways. Um, for me, the biggest thing was thinking about my time and what do I do with it? And I know that we, we all talk about this over the years and about this topic. But when it happens, like, why well, I had it, why well, I've had it you really think about your time and what do you do with it? And that's kind of, kind of goes back to the working on the business, not in the business. Cause in the business, you can get caught up in a lot of stuff or being on the business. You're kind of just thinking a lot about different opportunities that you can run down. And I, I also would look at things that I did cause I thought it was important. And I learned that it wasn't important. And so I found out you need to find out what's important in your life. And I know everybody talks about this topic, but you really should spend some time on it because it's really one of the most important things in life, I think. Yeah, and you and you you should do that before something happens in your life that that forces that issue. And um, uh, well, thank you, John. That's that's an important insight, and and uh, I'll take something away from that after this after this podcast today you know and we talked earlier about this too it's it's not all business at pack i know you guys have a lot of fun i've had the good fortune of partaking in some of that fun in the past until the wee hours of the night and uh and and you guys really enjoy what you do but what do you enjoy most about what you do and i'll start with you frank yeah i when you can um, when your uh, vocation can also support elements of your uh, avocation, right? It's what's so cool about private advisor group, and this extends obviously to the the team that we're working with and running the business, um, but also partners and friends that we've developed along the way, um, relationships with advisors. You know, you look at these. We're about to go to uh, our top of uh, top producer conference um, over the next couple of weeks, and they're like family reunions. Not just the private advisor group team, but the advisors that we work with. And so um, that that's that's the part of it that I love the most is it's not 
you get to work with your friends and get to work on behalf of your friends. And I don't think um, in every profession you have the uh, you have the ability to do that. There's there's a lot of other things too that you know we're not focused on a specific AUM target as an RIA as an example. We're not focused on a specific headcount target, which Derek, you and I coming from other firms, you know, it was very much KPI driven. Now there's right. obviously elements of running the business that we track. We have to, it's a responsible thing to do, but our, our role really, we believe is to create the right experience, enjoy the journey, give back, uh, be nimble as a uh, small business in the grand scheme of things, be opportunistic. And we know the outcome's going to be there. And that's just it's such a refreshing point of view um, and a, a refreshing approach to take. And, and one that, you know, sure, there's there's hard days, but when you're showing up and you've got that attitude and you're doing that with your friends and on behalf of your friends, um, it's it's a great place to be. You know, we um, uh, we recently over the well over the last year, you mentioned earlier the importance of listening to your advisors and we introduced an advisor council um, and, and that's been uh, that's been great for us too. As you uh, think through the the three sixty feedback that you receive, right? So we've got our heads down. We're working on the business and in the business in some cases, as John pointed out. Uh, but to be able to get that very direct feedback from uh, from the from the firms that you support and the people that you support in a way that's additive to the business. Again, I, I, I'm not going to say it's unique to this profession, but one that we hold very valuable um, and, and one that's that's fun, but one that's also very rewarding when we can connect what's important to them is the cross-section of our uh, advisor, um, 750 advisor uh, universe, and connect our strategy to how we're, we're um, showing up to meet those needs is incredibly fulfilling, uh, incredibly enjoying uh, we enjoy that very much. And it, it's, you know, it puts us on in a position where we're aligned with them. And again, you, you work very hard and you finish the week and you're exhausted, but it's one of those, uh, it's one of those exhaustions that you feel very good about because um, who you're doing that for and the, the way in which we do that is uh, um, just incredibly rewarding and I think unique. Well, it's it's hard work, honestly, to be able to reconcile 755 advisors and the word family yeah. in the same sentence, right? I mean, to be able to do that takes a lot of hard work, takes a lot of listening, as we talked about earlier. And you're able to do that at these events and not just the advisors, but their spouses, their families, and, and bring all that together even with 755 advisors. And that's, it's fun when you think about executing on that and getting it done. John, what are your, what are your thoughts? I mean, what do you enjoy most? A lot of what uh, Frank said, and the advisors and their families get to know them is, is, is a treasure. It, it's not, it's, it's the advisors certainly, but the industry as a whole feels, feels great. You know, there's a lot of people out there, um, partners, custodians, you name it, that are, great relationships with them as well. And those benefits, those relationships are important for our advisors. So to have that access to the industry as a whole is very powerful. Um, we have our top top advisors um, conference next week and all the spouses will be there. And, and it's just great mm -hmm. to be there, get to know them a whole lot better. 
Well, look, you guys are both very busy, and I want to wish you guys all the best uh, and all your colleagues the best for continued success at Private Advisor Group. I want to wake up next week and see 800 advisors. I know you guys will keep crushing it, uh, but please don't be strangers. Uh, I really appreciate your time today. Same, Derek. Always thank appreciate you, Derek. it. Thank you for having us on, and, and thank you for uh, what you do as well. All righty. Thanks, guys. And thank you for listening to my show today. You can subscribe to Can You Hold My Attention podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher, as well as through our LinkedIn page with the same name. Have a great day and stay safe.